Welcome to Insights with Sights, the Symphony of Scripture, a weekly podcast exploring the themes and contours of the weekly scripture readings. For more information about the podcast or to download the companion notes, please visit slash podcast We now join our host, the Reverend Dr. Christopher Seitz. Our gospel reading for the ninth Sunday after Pentecost has clearly omitted a major section in the sixth chapter of the Gospel of Mark, indeed some 20 verses. This allows the focus to fall on Jesus' boat crossing with his apostles, as they're called here, and his compassion on the crowds at the end of the chapter, seeking to be in his healing presence. Left out then from Mark is the feeding of the 5,000, followed by a terrifying sea crossing where Jesus walks out onto the water and reassures his disciples. This same sequence is found also in the sixth chapter of John's Gospel, that is, the feeding of the 5,000 and Jesus walking on the sea. And there, it leads on to a much fuller set of discourses about feeding the bread from heaven and so forth. In year B, Mark's year, the lectionary will choose to let John speak at this point next Sunday and take over from Mark since they share this same sequencing, feeding, walking on the water, and to bring into association as well the rich treasure house of feeding stories from the Old Testament, man in the wilderness, Elijah and Elisha, and so forth for five Sundays running. I'll say more about this next week, but note that Mark's omitted section here is not like last Sunday's excision from 2 Samuel 6. Instead, it occurs so as to offer space for the fourth gospel to speak up, the gospel otherwise not represented in a three-year Matthew-Mark-Luke cycle, except on occasions like this and in the Easter season, as we saw, where it has a complementary word to speak on feeding, bread from heaven, and also, in this case, a much fuller one than the synoptics, or Mark alone. The transition from the death of John the Baptist, which we read last Sunday, to today's scene is only roughly set out in the Gospel of Mark. The disciples of John come and take care of his executed body in verse 29, and the apostles of Jesus in verse 30 return from their successful missionary work and report about that. 
Yet the death of John clearly hangs in the air for Mark. Jesus will then begin to focus his life and ministry on his chosen twelve. They go with Jesus into a desert place, a lonely place. The reference to sheep without a shepherd tracks closely the words of Moses in the wilderness, a lonely place, provided in Numbers chapter 27. You'll You'll recall Moses there is about to die. He will not enter the promised land, and God is providing Joshua as his replacement. In compassion and and in response to Moses' request, seeing that the people are like sheep without a shepherd. In time, shepherd becomes a kind of general term for any proper leadership focused chiefly on kingship, the Davidic monarchy, but also encompassing the Moses teaching and leading role, which is so foundational in the wilderness. Moses provides miraculous food for the sheep he shepherds, and Jesus is about to feed the 5,000. Jesus is ending his retreat with his apostles to come ashore and have compassion, to give teaching, Torah, like Moses, and to feed. We cross over the feeding story that follows and the harrowing boat trip and land with Jesus, in our reading today, on the western side of the Sea of Galilee. The crowds continue to throng Jesus wherever he goes, here bringing their sick, seeking like the woman with the flow of the blood, only to touch his garment and be healed. The call for secrecy, that subtle but sustained theme in Mark's gospel, cannot succeed in anything but slowing down the crowds by a trickle. This is a Sunday where Both of the Old Testament readings from Tract 1 and Tract 2 actually both suit the Gospel reading. Jeremiah, which has been chosen to come alongside it, speaks of a history, a history of bad shepherds in his frame of reference, meaning the Davidic kings that have ruled over Judah and for a brief time the United Kingdom of David and Solomon. This has all come to an end. The exile is approaching. The king's negligence over centuries of God's patience has left the flock scattered in Jeremiah's proclamation. But God's promises to David are not in vain, even as the bad shepherds, the shepherds, of Israel's long experience have, but with rare exception, Hezekiah, Josiah, failed. 
God then will be shepherd. During a season of bringing home the scattered flock, this sequence matches as well the movement of the Psalter, the book of Psalms as a whole book. Book 3 sees the end of the monarchy and the promises to David dashed to the ground. Thus reads the end of Psalm 89, whose first section only is being chosen for today's reading. Book 4, which follows Psalm 89, in this book, the Lord is king. We hear the refrain over and over. The Lord is shepherd. And in the final book, book five, the Psalms of Ascent, which dominate there, bespeak the ongoing hopes and pledges for David, Zion, God's people, all the nations, and at the end of the Psalter, a renewed creation in endless alleluia. In Jeremiah's words, the days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch. And he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. And this is the name by which he will be called, the Lord is our righteousness. The personal gathering, the shepherding by God himself, undergirds all that he means when he pledges to David. To the degree that in coming days the son of David will himself be the Lord our righteousness, the good shepherd, the compassionate Jesus, he whom the crowds press forward to touch so as to be healed. Psalm 89 underscores in our reading for today the promises to David and all his lineage after him. I will punish them for all their transgressions. As we learn at the end of the psalm, even to the point of casting them off, as the conclusion soberly laments. But Psalm 89 is not the last word of the Psalter. It's verses, I will not take my love from him. His line will endure forever override his punishing for a season, and indeed point ahead to Jesus Christ, the King himself, the Good Shepherd, as Psalm 23 captures it so well. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, because in the Lord my Shepherd, the Lord God, the Lord Jesus, I am not in want. David's psalm become our own now. And the reading from Ephesians, which we have for our continuous epistle reading, moves us into chapter 2 of that epistle. And in my view, one of the most important asides in all the New Testament. Here Paul raises his eyes to speak directly 
to one group he has in view. Those previously outside the covenants of promise. Those previously strangers. Those without Christ and the promises to David and, as he puts it at the end, atheos, without God in the world. All of us then, all of us Gentiles, who listen in on God's life with Israel, in the promises made to David in 2 Samuel, in the Lord is my shepherd, Psalm 23, in the sober promises to David of Psalm 89, in the words of the prophet Jeremiah, or even in Jesus with his fellow chosen Israelites, we are those who have been brought into this story. Whatever reconciling work God was doing in Jesus Christ, he did, of course, with one cross, as Paul insists not to. And in that one cross, God redeemed his own people, the elect of God, and he brought near those of us who were far off, outside the promises, the covenants, without hope and without God in the world. Whatever dividing line existed by which God in his providence elected and promised and planned out the future of good shepherds for his people Israel involved equally the creating of new citizenship, of new citizens, the issuing, as it were, of library cards so we outsiders might read and see ourselves within the life and promises of God to his beloved Israel. And as Paul insists, it is the Holy Spirit that makes this so. One new humanity formed of two, formerly one elected, now one adopted, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone. The lectionary brings us into range and inclusion of all God has been saying to his people, a foundation of apostles and prophets, a symphony of prophetic witness, what we call now the Old Testament, and an according testament, which we now call new. Old and new, elder and younger, enduring and according, promise and fulfillment, one Lord, good shepherd, in whom mercy and truth have embraced by the power of the Holy Spirit. The table spread before us, arcing over the valley of the shadow of death itself, is this Lord, in whom all want is turned into praise and thanksgiving. Wherever he went, those in need had only to touch the hem of his garment to be healed. In him, as Paul writes, is our peace. For in his flesh, in his touch of us and us of him, he has made us into a new humanity, a new temple, the church, built together spiritually into a fitting dwelling place for the Lord God, the Good Shepherd. 
We hope you enjoyed Insights with Sights, the symphony of scripture. For archived episodes and notes, please visit www.wickliffcollege.ca slash podcast. Thank you, and we hope you tune in again. This podcast is a ministry of Wycliffe College at the University of Toronto.